Rugby League fans, uh, thanks for joining us once again for our latest NRL podcast in these crazy times of the coronavirus pandemic. Zach Bailey uh, here with you once again with Dan Walsh and Alicia Newton from NRL.com. Guys, it's been almost a month now since we've had some footy, depending on when our listeners are listening to this. Uh, It's normally Anzac Day uh, weekend of footy. Um, Dan, I'm missing it this week more than most. What about you? Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. Um, the big one, of course, is the Roosters and Dragons uh, traditional clash. Uh, yeah, there's few better things in the game than that last post before the before the kickoff. So, yeah, hitting home that uh, there's no footy this weekend, but we are getting closer to May 28th by the same token. Yeah, Alicia, we're meant to be in for a triple treat this year. The Cowboys and Bulldogs were also meant to play, along with the other traditional match, the Storm and the Warriors. So uh, it would have been a cracker of a Saturday, wouldn't it have been? What a long month. That's all I'll say. It's felt like a year. Um, yeah, it would have been. And the Cowboys touched on that today. That um, you know, it's a they had a lot of special uh, plans for for the weekend. So. Um, yeah, but hopefully, you know, this time next year we can look back and reflect on the year that was and, and be come out better for it. Well said. Uh, Dan, you said uh, May 28. It's still the date, uh, according to Project Apollo spokesman uh, Wayne Pierce. Uh, what must be done, though, for that to be an absolute definite for us to get lift off on May 28? Uh, well, there's still still a fair bit, but... No one's pretending there isn't. Uh, the first thing is to get the players back on the paddock by May 4th. And so that's 11 days away from, well, 10 days away from uh, when this podcast goes to air. And so on the same day, uh, the clubs, the next step, uh, as far as the clubs are concerned, they'll get the NRL's 50-page uh, biosecurity document. Uh, so that, that'll detail all the measures that are put in place around the players, around training, how games can work and how the, how the NRL plans to prevent coronavirus from derailing the competition again. And uh, it will be tough. There'll be all sorts of uh, restrictions involved and potential penalties if people step outside those and breach them because... Uh, it would it would only take one person to potentially put everything at risk, but everyone seems to know the stakes. And with that, that's how they get to go ahead at mate, you know, further down the line in a month and potentially get back on the back on the paddock. So Dan, now uh, that fifty-page document. When do we expect that to fall in the laps of the club CEOs and bosses out there? Yeah, so that'll be Friday on the 24th of April, uh, and they'll have uh, a period of consultation. They'll give some feed. They'll be able to go through it, give some feedback. The uh, the RLPA all will be in the same boat as well. They'll have as more of an independent voice representing the players. They'll have a look at that as well, and so that's on the that's on the biosecurity front. And then as far as the competition structure, that comes back. Uh, next week, once the broadcasters have thrashed out a few more details with the NRL, and ideally by mid next week, there'll be a lot more clarity on both fronts, and we'll be a lot closer to having players on the training paddock 
and then from there, uh, yeah, in, you know, playing for points. Alicia, are the clubs confident that the um, footy will be definitely back on May 28? I wouldn't say they're, they're confident in that they haven't really got enough information, as Dan pointed out, this document that will go out. I'm sure that's going to provide them a lot more clarity and and then give them that confidence. But, um, but yeah, like they're very optimistic and they, they know that the NRL's, you know, trying and work, trying to work with them to, to come to some sort of resolution. Um, but confident at this stage, kind of like the players, they're, they're hopeful and, and they, they want to see it go ahead, but they're also probably a bit realistic with what's going on behind the scenes and what needs to get through um, for that to happen. But do you, do you think the announcement this week, though, strengthened their, that belief and that hope that it would go ahead? A couple of weeks ago, it was Wayne Pearce uh, coming out and mentioning May 28 for the first time, but he doubled down on it this week. So surely across the game, players, clubs, everyone is um, more fixed or has more belief on that, on that date and, and the NRL pulling it off. Yeah, 100%. And we also see like the amount of cases that have, that have come down now to sing, sing, single um, digits, which which helps as well. I guess it just depends on the person and how, how they how they view it and, you know, whether they're realistic about the situation or they're optimistic. You know, everyone's quite different. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, there's, there's, you know, pros and cons to it and they probably just know a little bit more than what everyone else does to, to know what needs to get put under the bridge before then. Dan, what about the reaction across the game for the May 4 uh, returning date to training? When I've spoken to a couple of players, not so much the May 28 date, but the May 4 date is the date that the players wanted to be um, set in stone so they could get back with their teammates. A lot of players have travelled back to their home bases, whether that's uh, in a state overseas, in the the case of Brandon Smith, or just uh, back to their parents' place or whatever. But that, that's a huge boost for players, isn't it? Knowing that in, in less than two weeks, they'll be back training with their teammates. Their hands will be on the footy. They'll be able to pass it to someone else in their club colours because right now they can't do that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was speaking to Shandor Earl just earlier today and uh, he made the decent point and it's hard to argue with him that if you've been doing your work throughout isolation and... Yeah, putting in the effort, there's potential for you to come back stronger and better prepared because you effectively had a longer pre-season. Uh, no surprise that to hear that from a Melbourne Storm player. You know, we know the kind of shift that Craig Bellamy runs down there and how quickly Melbourne hit the ground running every single season. So uh, the May 4th day does, that is, and it is the first one that pops up as well. It's technically it's six business days away. So there is a lot of work to be done in terms of setting, making sure those protocols can be met. And also speaking to the RLPA in terms of some of the reaction around the game, they, they like the optimism of the NRL and the ambition of targeting these early dates that have attracted some criticism in some quarters. But they've also said, if we can't, if it can't be, if the players' welfare and safety can't be guaranteed, or May 4th or May 28th, that's okay as well. In terms of we can move the goalpost back, we can look at a June 4th date or yeah, there's still enough time to get plenty of footy in this year and it's better to get everything right and then get everyone on the paddock rather than 
returning to training, forcing something that's not entirely foolproof and potentially having to call it off because there has been some sort of outbreak or some sort of safety measure that wasn't met. So there's a lot of shared optimism, but there's also still some questions about exact, I guess the logistics and the practicalities of moving within what is now yeah, effectively a month away from yeah, getting people playing games again. But I guess the, the same view is shared by the NRL. They are the ones that are saying, look, we're not going to put anyone's health at risk either. So they needed to still tick a couple of boxes when it comes to government and uh, health departments that are way higher than uh, you and I and Alicia. Um, what about the Warriors? Well, they're way higher than the NRL, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how it is, yeah. That's, that's the way it is. In a health pandemic that's swept across the globe like this, that is the case. So what about the Warriors? Um, when are they due to fly out? Do we know where they'll be based yet? Because like everything else in this fluid situation, uh, there's been updates daily about where the Warriors will be based and, and when they're set to arrive in Australia, if it all goes to head as planned. Yeah, so there has been, and uh, I think significantly, the updates are coming through from um, from those high, from the governments and you know, higher up uh, areas that do that ultimately hold sway over the NRL. So uh, on Thursday this week, we've had uh, Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton both speak about this situation and speak reasonably positively, given given both Australia and New Zealand are faring pretty well in terms of coronavirus uh, spread. Yeah, numbers are trending downward in the right direction uh, for a while now. Uh, New Zealand's just come out of lockdown as well. So uh, Scott Morrison has said that uh, the, the proposal to bring the Warriors into Australia, uh, that would potentially be looked upon favourably given uh, how both countries are tracking and Peter Dutton has said the same thing as well uh, and that there is um, there, there are examples of exceptions being granted by Border Force and so Peter Volandi is, is in uh, discussions with, with Peter Dutton specifically at the moment and so in terms of the Warriors getting into the country it's slowly moving forward because that is the big imperative whether they get government exemptions and so also uh, working around that May 4th date is whether they're able to train whilst in isolation. And one of the ways around that is, so sorry, the Warriors will have to come into, if they come into Australia, they'll have to quarantine for two weeks. That's a given. And so one of the, a bit of progress on that front is uh, we've identified uh, a base up at Lennox Head uh, in northern New South Wales and an application has been put into the New South Wales government for the Warriors to base up there and be granted an exemption from the uh, traditional quarantine measures uh, where they'll be able to isolate purely as a team and they'll be able to train together and they won't come into contact with any, with any other member of the public and that's at a, uh, a recreational facility at Lennox Head where they have access to gym, playing fields, pools, rehab facilities everything you need for a football team. So essentially some of the bureaucracy around the logistics of getting the Warriors into the country, that, that is moving forward. But as yet, there still isn't, there are still things to be signed off on as well. That's the update from across uh, the ditch. Uh, Alicia, what about from up north in, in Queensland? Uh, the Cowboys spoke today. What's their view on it all? 
Yeah, so Jeff Rebel, CEO and, uh, and Cowboys coach Paul Green, uh, addressed the media, obviously with the news coming through about the intention to get back on track on May 28. Um, Cowboys held a Zoom meeting, the players, uh, Green said that they were fairly um, relaxed and, and committed to, to the cause, like to, to getting back on track and even to relocate. He said he won't, he won't deny a player um, if, if who comes to him and says, you know, I don't, I don't want to go, I can't leave my family behind. He, he said he's quite, um, you know, happy to, to accommodate to that. And I guess the issue, the benefit is a lot of talk around the 14 day isolation, but you gotta remember too that them going to Sydney, they wouldn't have to then um, isolate. It's more them coming back to Queensland. That would be the issue. So um, yeah, they, they haven't heard much more information around what, what, what's going on in terms of travel back and forth. And they certainly haven't looked at a location like the Warriors um, having that regard. So it's all still a bit up in the air, but the general consensus among the players up there was that they're, they're keen to do whatever it takes to, to get back. Yeah, and uh, from the Broncos' perspective, I spoke to Anthony Seabold uh, yesterday, uh, covered all things. One of them was the report that they don't want to base themselves in Sydney and they'd rather be based on the North Coast. He basically said that until they get the green light from the government, they're not committing to anything, but they have looked at um, the uh, Kingscliff base in northern New South Wales, the reason why. He said, like anyone, if there's opportunity for us as a club to train down at Kingscliff an hour and a half into New South Wales for a week and then head back across the border to our families uh, for the weekend, then anybody in their profession would like to do it close to their family. They haven't explored any options to be based in Sydney. So that was an interesting take uh, from Anthony Seabold. You can get that full chat on nro.com. Uh, it's been a big week at uh, Rugby League Central. Uh, former CEO Todd Greenberg uh, stood down from his position on Monday. Alicia, he spoke a couple of days ago about all of his achievements, and one of the game, uh, one of the the achievements that he mentioned was the development of the women's game and the introduction of the NRLW that you're uh, so passionate about as well. Um, it is a real feather in his cap that he was one of the main forces behind developing that idea. Yeah, I thought it was a nice touch and, and obviously he said he's a massive league fan at the end of the day and when the dust settles and he can kind of watch games again, he, he wants to see that competition prosper. So, yeah, it's just one of the, the many things that he did really, really well during his tenure, in my opinion. And, and it's hard to see him go, you know, I don't like to see anyone publicly lose their job and be in the spotlight, I guess, for that reason alone. So, um, yeah, I'm sure... There's, there's many things that he can be proud of and uh, the women's game is just one of those. One of the highlights that Todd pointed out as well was uh, the 2017 Grand Final uh, when Macklemore, of course, sang um, Same Love, I think was the song. Uh, and having been in the crowd for that as well, yeah, I, I felt the same as Todd in terms of it was a significant step for rugby league in terms of, I guess, making a bit of a statement, one that didn't all like wasn't accepted by all but in the majority um you know it is it was a hell of a hell of a, a move to make in terms of marriage equality debate and i think you'll find you know on the right side of history there and 
yeah, Todd was genuinely proud of how inclusive the game has become, and we see that with the women's game and a lot of other things across the across the spectrum during this time as well. Yeah, another thing that he mentioned was the uh, player's safety when it came to the uh, protocols around concussion. That's also a, a great development for the game in terms of looking after uh, players' health. Uh, and he was uh, very very well spoken until the very end, until uh, even uh, when he spoke earlier this week. Uh, of course, now we move forward. Our uh, new interim CEO is Andrew Abdo, who was the Chief Commercial Officer of the NRL previously. Uh, he's got a big job alongside Peter Volandis, the ARLC Chairman, Wayne Pearce and the uh, Project Apollo Committee to sort out the new TV rights deal and what the new comm structure looks like when they thrash out with broadcasters. Hopefully, Dan, I think you mentioned uh, that's done by the end of uh, next week. Something else that we need to focus on, uh, of course, the signing uh, signings tracker and player movement. Uh, Alicia, an Englishman's headed home. Yeah, sad news earlier in the week with uh, with Callum Watkins. Unfortunately, um, you know, for family reasons, he's headed back. He's, his old man uh, has, has contracted coronavirus. So it's really rotten news. And, you know, I can't imagine being on the other side of the world when you, when you find out something like that. So we wish him all the best. We probably didn't see the best of him at all while he was over here, which is a become a bit of a trend in, in um, I guess, outside backs for, for English players. But he's managed to um, sign up with Toronto. So at least he sorted out his future. And, and yeah, again, it's a bit of a shame that we didn't see the best of him. But um, all the best to him and his family. And then uh, Tyson Frizzell, uh, earlier this week, Paul McGregor said, look, if he wants to stay at the Dragons, we're, ha- we're happy to have him. Uh, is there any chance he'll remain a dragon beyond 2020, or is there a chance he becomes a knight before June 30? Uh, short answer, Zach. No and no. Um, so Move on. When the yeah, no, I could leave it at that. But uh, when the deal was done, so it hasn't been registered by the NRL as no contract has at the moment. But uh, the knights are more than prepared to uh, commit to their the original agreement of taking him on in 2021, regardless of what the salary cap comes down to or what Tyson's uh, salary would be, would drop down uh, as negotiated with, across all player payments. But uh, from what I understand, that, that commitment for him to go up there in 2021, that's pretty, pretty absolute and it would take something huge for him to stay at the Dragons. Uh, likewise, in terms of... Saints letting him go early before June 30. There's not a hell of a lot of incentive for them to do that. So why would they? Yeah, fair point. Uh, There's some reports from uh, Queensland this week uh, that uh, the Titans wanted to raid or have launched a raid for Broncos young gun. He's only 18 years of age. Uh, Tessie New, who uh, has represented Tonga in the past. He's got plenty of talent. Uh, Anthony Seabold again said, look, he wouldn't have been. He's not surprised that other other clubs uh, want to get their hands on him, given how talented he is. But they'd actually started uh, contract talks with him prior to this whole coronavirus pandemic. Uh, they're hopeful of retaining him and even upgrading him um, to the Broncos roster after Isaiah Peresi was uh, let go by the club. So uh, that's positive news for Broncos fans on that front. He said he's also really close with Payne Haas and uh, David Fafita. So uh, he hopes that that tight connection there. Uh, we'll keep him at the club. And I mean, if I'm a fullback or an outside back, I would love to be playing off the back of those two big men, especially if they're my mate. 
I'd say short ball here, boys, and uh, put me through. Um, what about the uh, simply the best poll? We've had another one online uh, this week. More than uh, 105,000 fans voted across the website and our official Instagram and Facebook accounts for the best centres in the game. I'll run through the top five. Jamie Lyon, 8%. He was fifth, edged out by Andrew Enninghausen uh, by one vote which was uh, remarkable. Uh, Steve Renoff uh, was on 9%. The top two, Greg Inglis in second place, 30% of the votes. And taking it out, Mal Meninga, 32% of the votes. That was on NRL.com. So the two best centres in the last 30 years, uh, Mal Meninga and Greg Inglis. Uh, fair to say that that's about bang on from the fans, guys. I think I got one out of two. That's pretty... I'll take that, 50%. From last week, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fair indication. I think a bit tough on you know Et and and Ranoff played a couple of dual positions as well throughout their careers. I think pretty sure, but yeah. Dan, oh, well, I was just thinking when remember when Greg Inglis first came through, he uh, he earned so many comparisons to Mal Meninga, a big strapping centre who you just would not want to get in front of. And yeah, imagine imagine the two of them in the same team. You wouldn't you wouldn't know where to run, probably well, in the opposite direction. Well, speaking of the same team, they're simply the best team so far from the last 30 years. Billy Slater fullback, your wing is Wendell Saylor and Hazamel Mazari and your centre's uh, Mal Meninga and Greg Inglis. Uh, pretty handy side. But we now move to our 5 eighth poll, which will drop online today, uh, Friday, um, April 24th. Uh, at midday, the candidates for the 5-8th, they're simply the best poll. Uh, Trent Barrett, Laurie Daly, Brad Fittler, Kieran Foran, Darren Lockyer, Cliff Lyons, James Maloney, Benji Marshall, Kevin Walters, Gareth Widdop. Guys that don't even make the cut, unfortunately. Matty Johns, Greg Florimo, Jamie Soward, Cam Munster, Braithen Nasta, Terry Campisi, Anthony Milford, Scott Hill. Now, a couple of names that aren't on this list that I guess will feature next week. Uh, which will be one hell of a showdown, the likes of Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, Andrew Johns. But when you look at this list, guys, uh, Dan, I'll start with you. Who's your 5'8 of the last 30 years? Uh, it's really quite a tough one. If you were going to go 5'8 purely based on where they played, maybe Freddie Fittler. But given Darren Lockyer had... A stellar career at the back. That was probably only, only second to Billy Slater in that position. And then turned it around and won a premiership at 5-8 and absolutely dominated there as well in the first half of Queensland's dynasty. Uh, I think the fact that he can cover, he's become an immortal playing across two positions and picking him at 5-8 gets him in the team. Uh, Lockie's my pick for that one. Alicia? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same there uh, with Lockie switching from fullback to 5'8", but I also think the current generation of fans will, will look towards like, a player like Benji as well. So you forget how many years he's been playing for, more than a decade. And we know he had his shoulder injuries early on in his career, but he's you know, kicked on, won a premiership, and he's a big fan favourite. So I'm expecting him to be at least in the top four. Yeah, I... I, I... I think if the Kiwi contingent of rugby league fans get behind this poll, then Benji Marshall is definitely uh, someone to keep your eye on. I think Darren Lockyer might edge out Brad Fittler and Benji, but geez, what a contest. And as I said, after this week, we've got the halves 
uh, the halfback, sorry, uh, which will be one hell of a contest. So uh, each week uh, we'll have a poll. We'll then get uh, the 10 nominees trimmed down to the final two candidates, uh, which will be next Wednesday. Uh, and then on the NRL Instagram and Facebook accounts, you'll be able to vote for the simply the best player for that position. Then we'll go through the coach at the end as well. Uh, guys, what's your highlight of the week? I'm going to get in first and just say Wayne Pierce uh, doubling down and saying May 28. That was music to my ear. I thought, how good is this? We're back on, almost. <laughs> well, you were out there, you were out there, Zach, but my highlight of the week was watching Wayne Bennett and Trent Robinson turn up to that, that commission, the, the innovations meeting. Um, obviously, we look at the book of feuds and all that was put to bed for for just one day at least with those two in a car together and I know uh, Wayne Pierce joked around of them turning up together. What was the, the gist around that? Can you enlighten us? Well, he did, Wayne Pierce just said, I think Trent, Trent's worried about Wayne uh, driving. He's too old to drive. So he thought he'd give him a ride in, which I thought was quite clever when we put it to him on the spot yesterday, uh, Junior, out the front of... Uh, Rugby League Central, but yeah, all, 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 all feuds are off, all differences put aside for the betterment of the game. Uh, Dan, the highlight for your week? Uh, I might be jumping the gun a little bit here, but the fact that if we can actually get the Warriors across the ditch and give them some certainty and get them involved in the competition, uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic because that club, that club has sacrificed more than any other and they will continue to do so. Um, They've sat there for about a month at least wondering exactly how all this works. So the fact that government officials are starting to endorse them coming across and you know, doing their job and playing, uh, yeah, we're slowly getting there. And it'd be fantastic to see them get some wins as well in, in a restructured competition because yeah. they truly do deserve it after you know, the start to this year for them. Yeah, we all thank uh, the Warriors uh, for everything they're doing across the ditch to... Um make it possible for this uh, competition to continue this year with them a part of it because uh, for so long they've been one of the favourites. If they're not everyone's favourite team, they're close to the top two, that's for sure. Uh, this week we've got plenty uh, of action on NRL.com, um, especially on NRL TV. Uh, the TV guide for this week, uh, obviously uh, the Wednesday and Thursday games are gone, but Friday night... Classic match between the Titans and West Tigers from 2009 on Saturday, which will be Anzac Day. We've got a double uh, double header, uh, 2017 Round 8, St. George Illawarra against the Roosters. And uh, from Round 7, 2009, the Melbourne Storm against the Warriors. Then on Sunday, another treat. I'm loving, absolutely loving uh, these Sunday classics. The grand final classic match this week. The West uh, the not the West Tigers, the Balmain Tigers, the Balmain Tigers against the Canberra Raiders from 1989. Uh, no doubt you'll be locked into that one, Dan. Yeah, I actually I got off the phone with Glenn Lazarus earlier today, and uh, he reckons that Canberra was just a nicer place to live after the Raiders claimed that one. So if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. And Alicia, the same? Yeah, I was just going to say, don't go calling them the West Tigers, the 1989 West Tigers, and Balmain fans will come and hunt you down, Zach. That, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I didn't, I just saw Tigers, and I thought, you know what, I've got to backtrack here before I get myself in trouble. 
but, so, but once again, uh, we do know who... Uh, well, if you don't remember who won that game, make sure you tune in on NRL.com on Sunday. Uh, Dan Walsh, Alicia Newton, uh, thanks once again for joining me for a chat. Uh, all rugby league fans out there, hopefully... Uh, this time next week, we have more clarity about what the competition looks like and where the Warriors uh, will be based. Hopefully, it won't be too long until they're arriving in Australia. Uh, look after yourselves. Hope you have a great uh, Anzac Day uh, with your families. And uh, we'll catch you again soon. <laughs>